When you hang out with people that are going to pull you towards success or pull you towards growth, that influence is so mysterious, is so powerful that they impart into you something that you do not have on your own. Praise the Lord, friend. I hope you're doing well. Here's a question. Is God gritty? Yeah, I'm going to suggest to you that he's gritty. I'm going to call it God grit, okay? And as a daughter and a son of God, he wants to impart some of that nature to us, some of that grit. God is gritty in his patience and his loving kindness with us. He pursues his plan no matter what. Think of it. He is not a quitter. And our guest today says that God will use difficulty. Difficulties in our life forge our character. They reveal what we truly believe. They fortify and harden what we truly want. They evoke within us aspirations for greatness that fit in with the meta story of God's greatness and God's great narrative, the story of Jesus and the restoration of all things. Just to be frank with you, the new heavens and a new earth that we are tracking toward. This is Brian Del Turco. Thanks for listening today to Jesus Smart, the podcast. This is episode 127. It's part two of my conversation with Doug Gaiman. Before you quit your story of blood, sweat, and coffee stains. Doug Gaiman is the president and executive director of Globe International, a missions sending agency. You can see the show notes page for this episode at jesussmart.com slash keep sweating. See what I did there? You can go deeper for links and resources mentioned today. Well, what about today's episode? There is a, what I'm going to call a meta reality. Doug refers to it as a transcendent reality that we can lean into every day, every week, which gives us more than enough endurance on this natural plane. We may want to call it the believer's advantage, the Christ follower's advantage. Doug writes about everyday endurance, aspirations for greatness, a moral courage to face with faith anything that God allows, anything that he leads us into even if we don't understand a given season. We even talk about we may need some new relationships. You know, your circle of relationships is very important, and research has proven that you're dramatically affected by the closest four or five people to you. So you may need to form some new relationships with people that are not quitters. If all you're surrounded about is quitters, let's say it that way, there may be some trouble on the horizon, okay? New relationships, people that do not quit. Now, there are some things that we do need to quit. We may start a business initiative or some decision we make that just doesn't pan out. We need to pivot. We need to make a decision and do something else. We're not talking about that, though. We're talking about those things that we need to think and reflect hard about before quitting. Here's my conversation with Doug Gaiman. What can we do, Doug, in terms of, you know, like Isaiah 40 says, those who wait upon the Lord. My understanding from the Hebrew is that it means to not just passively wait, but to expect with faith, you know, Mm -hmm. to be leaning forward with expectation, like the quote from the great missionary you mentioned. Yes. Um, And they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. You know, you will, 
run and not fail. You won't be, you won't stumble. You know, you won't quit. Maybe we could say, yeah. Are, are, what are your thoughts about like new and fresh ways of drawing upon God's strength, maybe spiritual disciplines or how we handle our schedule, Sabbath rest. I don't know what thoughts you may have on that. Yeah, well, in in the book, chapter 8, I talk about self-care during difficulty, and I start the chapter with a a picture from the chief editor of World Magazine, Marvin Oleski. He says that ships... Ships, you know, sail in historic times. They put a lot of stones and even chunks of steel in the bottom of the hull to hold the ship steady okay. uh, during a storm. And in today's world, especially, we need to have what he calls bottom to hold us mm. steady during a storm. And that picture, I think, is powerful to recognize a sailing vessel has a destination. It's, a, it's, it's aspiring to come to a destination, but if it encounters a storm on the way to that destination, it has to abandon the, the destination. It has to haul in the sails and point the bow, throw out the anchor in the back to give it drag and point the bow in the direction of the storm coming. That's probably not the destination, but it's, it's doing that for survival. So there are behaviors that we have to engage in during a time of difficulty in order to survive. And it may mean we're not going towards the destination for this period of time, but it doesn't mean we've abandoned the destination. Hmm. So several of those things I list in the book that we should engage in, some of them are timeless and a couple of them I I added. So there's four things. One is to read and learn. In other words, engage this mm. process of growth, yeah. saying, what can I what can I learn from scripture is is paramount, but reading other good Christian teachers, especially in the areas where you're struggling. For example, I went back and started studying missiology at the School of World Mission and, and at Fuller Theological Seminary to get some answers to some of my missiological struggles. Mm. Uh, so reading is vital. A second one is prayer and worship. I call these two sort of twins. The reading side is more the cognitive. The worship and prayer side is more the intuitive. So you can use the right brain, left brain sort of motif if you like. Mm -hmm. Um, But the idea we need to engage our mind and our heart. Uh, There's something absolutely necessary about that for spiritual health and emotional health to engage both heart and mind. Sometimes engaging the heart means to express our grief. I I came during my own journey, I came to love the Psalms that were not the Psalms you sing in church. You know, Psalm 137, you know, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion, you know. Not a a popular worship course, is there? Right. Blessed will he be, you know, who dashes your children against the rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine singing that Sunday morning? Yeah, really. So, but it's a lament. It's a Jewish lament. Maybe in our prayer class, we can pull that out. Pour out their grief for what happened to them by the Babylonians who sieged Jerusalem. I mean, it was horrible. You know, they lost their wives, their children in violent ways, and they didn't know how to express their grief. So learning how to express our hearts to God, even in our grief. And that's in this, a lot of that's in the secret place, isn't it? The closet. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's very important for spiritual growth and health. The third one I listed is creativity. Um, I know for myself, I had to make a decision during difficult times. Was I going to express my grief uh, in, 
in uh, self-destructive ways, you know, getting in addictive behaviors. We're very tempted, both men and women uh, are drawn to different things, but addictive type of behaviors, or was I going to express my grief in creativity? So I picked up a guitar. I had already played as a young man, but I played the guitar. I got into more exercise programs. I, I found outlets. To, I, I just determined I've got a lot of anxiety, a lot of grief, sadness, and I'm going to not allow that stuff to take me into addictive behaviors. So creativity, uh, there's something powerful about the creative expression of our lives. In it's something empowering, isn't it? It's empowering. It, it absolutely is empowering. And every person is created by God, has creative has creative leanings. Without a doubt. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God, God made That's our right. ears, our eyes. He made our tactile hands for different things. And some people are drawn to, to sound, some are to sight, to tactile, you know, craftsman's work. Sure. And I think we need to learn how to express our, our times in creative. And actually, creativity works best as an expression of, of difficulty. Mm. Uh, if you think about it, every country song that was ever written was written about the girlfriend that left and the dog that doesn't love me anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, some of the greatest works of creativity have come out of tortured souls, you know, mm -hmm. in history. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth thing in the book, I say, I call it diversion. And, and um, it's sort of a play on the word, the biblical word, repent, uh, which for Christians has, you know, has so loaded with meaning, sometimes we lose the meaning. But divert to divert means to basically... Look at your life and see what you can change that should be changed. Change something. Change your, change your rhythm. And that's where I talk about taking a Sabbath break. The Sabbath was designed by God to give you a weekly break, in the, to break the rhythm of the week. Stop working. Stop focusing on intentional outcomes and just relax. So the Sabbath is a very good part. of It should be a part of every one of our lives to divert from from the rhythms of life and allow a new pace to happen on a regular basis. So I encourage people to divert during difficult times. Oh, these are, these are fundamentals, you know, and like, if you listen to a good coach, do a press conference, like whether it's American football or soccer or whatever the coach may be, um, you can really pick up some nuggets, you know, and they will talk about returning to fundamentals, you know, mm -hmm. they're publicly making statements about their players that, you know, we need to return to fundamentals, basics, or I, I heard a phrase recently, which really challenged me in a spiritual sense, matching yep. intensity with intensity. Oh, yes. So if there's intense resistance challenging you to quit, engaging it sort of like that, that ship that points into the storm you were talking about, you mm -hmm. know, face it down in faith with matching intensity not yes, a, not a mm -hmm. works thing, but a spiritual intensity. We win if we just don't quit because the resourcing we have available, right? I right. Wanna, I want to say is more powerful than any natural or demonic thing that may come against us. Well, that's so true for Christians. Uh, we have this eternal, transcendent reality that we lean into every day. Uh, our, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our connection with a sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient God. We, we lean into him every day. We're bound to the earth in this physical body, and we're limited by it. But times of difficulty gives us this opportunity to to lean into this transcendent reality that non-Christian people, the world does not know. The world tells us 
that we're biologically biological only and that we have 78.5 i think 78.8 years is about the, the age limits for westerners americans on average right now and after that you're gone well christians we don't believe that we're eternal beings we have an eternal life that was purchased for us by Jesus Christ. We were created by God as eternal beings. So life will go on, hopefully in heaven. Uh, you know, that's where we're going as Christians. We believe that. We believe that their eternal hell exists as well. And so we have this sense of connection with eternal realities that uh, we lean into when we're going through difficult times. And that that holds us even when we're in prison like Paul it, it amazes me that some of the most profound Christology, some of the most profound theological insights came to Paul when he was locked in that, what was it called, the, the, the Tabertine prison, you know, in Rome. He's, he's, he's down in, in, the, in the ground in a Roman prison, mm. and he's writing these yeah. amazing epistles that today we feast on because of the beautiful theology, and he's getting all that because of a connection with the transcendent God. Really, it's like an infinite paradigm, right? I mean, there's huh. there's no limits to the horizon of the you know the new heavens and the new earth are on the way. Lately, I've been enjoying thinking and dialoguing about this theme of. We, we begin to live now, though it be partially, we begin to live now in the light and power of that age which is to come. And mm-hmm. it is transforming. It is so full of hope. Right. Um, yeah, I, I uh, very, very motivated about that. Now, you mentioned that everyday endurance, aspirations for greatness, and moral courage are three different types of perseverance. Briefly, briefly touch on those, those areas. Well, everyday endurance is the stuff we deal with every day, like we talked about a moment ago, you know, lines in the supermarket, rained out birthday parties, uh, people who don't show up for appointments, um, little nagging colds and the flu season. It's just stuff that is not life threatening. It's not life altering, uh, but it uh, it does it does basically challenge our sense of entitlement. That's probably its biggest effect on us. I'm entitled for something better than this. And like, so we, like in the shopping well, store. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why are these people, you know, <laughs> in my way? Yeah. So we all deal with everyday endurance and in some ways how we respond uh, to those kind of difficulties is a little bit of a reflection about our relationship with Jesus and our trust in him. And it might even be a little bit of a tell about how well we will do uh, with a bigger challenge. Um, yeah, that's right. So that's normal. We're all familiar with those kind of things. The second one we talked about a little bit too, aspirations for greatness. I say basically aspirations for greatness are things that we voluntarily enter into. It's difficulty that we involuntarily enter into. We enter into a weight loss program. We enter into a training program to run a marathon. We, as a missionary, I chose to leave a comfortable life in the United States and moved my family to Asia. You know, how foolish is that? <laughs> and live in poverty for 15 years. I So I aspired to do something great for God, and I was willing to do something hard in order to 
uh, have that happen. So there's a voluntary. And then the third one is moral courage. And that is where God asks us to experience something and we do not volunteer for it. It's where we are pushed into something involuntarily and it can be a death of a loved one. Uh, Noah was asked to have moral courage when God said, I want you to build this ark Mm. for the saving of the world. And it took him 120 years to accomplish this task, uh, probably facing uh, who knows what kind of uh, things he faced on the process of that happening. Joseph is an example of this. He he saw himself as a young man through dreams that he was going to be the head of their family. And then his brothers sold him into slavery. He was accused by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison. And then in prison, he was forgotten by those who could have helped him, got an early release. He endured this experience for, what, 12 years, I think, approximately. Joseph was in prison. So sometimes in our lives, we are asked to go through things that we don't want to have happen to us. Um, we, we would never sign up for it. And yet, like I said earlier, grief comes knocking at our door and we have to let him in. And the, the question for us at that moment is, are we going to trust God? Are we going to, to surrender to him? Are we going to look this difficulty in the face and embrace the pain to honor Jesus Christ and God help me walk through this terrible thing that I don't want to have happen that I don't want to have in my life. And wow. Yeah, that's so good. And through it all staying in the race, right? Staying in the fight, finishing the course. So we can echo what Paul said. I have finished the course. I have fought the fight in the future. There is laid up for me a great reward all for his name and fame. I've been enjoying these phrases lately. You know, Father, it's about your name as a memorial, your name and fame, your story, your glory, you know, our story fitting into a greater story. Um, So if someone is tempted to quit right now, maybe it's a relational quit, um, you know, a business. Now, sometimes there are things that we need to quit. Maybe it's something has run its course. Maybe that business idea wasn't such a great idea, you know, and we need to pivot and do do another business, something like that. But, or maybe that degree is really not us and we're going to switch our degree, something of that nature. But, but more often than not, we're quitting good things, which should not be quit, you know, relationships, quests, pursuits. So quitting can be a habit, right? Yeah, it can be habitual. Yeah, I think you've you've identified a very real thing. We we make adjustments. We we make changes throughout our life. You know, my 15 years in Asia, and then our our choice to come to Florida to work at Globe International. Those are different changes that happen through the course of our lives. So it's not like you just don't ever quit. You just do one thing the rest of your life and never never leave that one thing. But Quitting usually, when we talk about quitting in the heart, it has to do with an abandonment of something. It has to do with a throwdown. I'm not doing this anymore. And it's really a breaking of some relationship. Uh, first with God, it's sort of like shaking your fist in God's face and I'm not doing this anymore and I quit. It could be that the same for marriage. You just decide, I quit. I'm not working on this anymore. That kind of quit is, quitting is dangerous and very debilitating. And normally when people do it, it doesn't turn out what they think. The, the, they're jumping out of a fire, but they're jump, you know, out of a frying pan, but into a fire. And uh, 
So that's the kind of quitting usually doesn't turn out well. Yeah. Um, but making adjustments, yes, yeah, is, is quite normal. And actually, I think a part of the process of endurance is to say, what can I learn? What can I tweak? What can I change? Um, we did that just briefly. We were an evangelistic ministry. Uh, we were preaching the gospel. My aspiration was to preach the gospel to large crowds. After four years, we were not preaching the gospel to large crowds. In fact, most of our events were getting rained out. And, I mean, it was like rain, rain, rain. We could hardly ever go somewhere without being rained out. You know how rain is the enemy of open-air events. I was in a crisis of faith saying, Lord, what is going on? I'm spending all this money and effort. But the Lord used that to push me towards some study, which I started studying at Fuller, started asking some questions. And the result was I shifted. We didn't stop doing events, but we shifted our end game. We shifted from measuring our success by large crowds to measuring our success by how many churches we planted and how many people were in those churches at the end of six months. That's a major shift in the measurement of success. And when we made that mental shift and just tweaked the way we were doing things in order to facilitate church planning, our ministry exploded. Mm, I mean, it exploded. We, within a few years, we had planted 35 churches in one country. And, and the odd thing about it, on the sovereign side, it stopped raining. Our, our events never got rained out anymore. So we had a miraculous, just a Holy Spirit miraculous sort of manifestation or 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 what's the word confirmation of that we were on the right we were on the right track so it was you know like i said four to four and a half years of struggle and then we went into this massively fruitful time and i look back and think man i'm sure glad i didn't quit when we were in that in that low point you know, we just we learned you were we in studied. the dip yeah we were mm-hmm. you were in that dip that seth godin talks about can you survive the dip or the trough Yes, mm-hmm. I call it. I call it a gap. Yeah, but you're right. It's a dip. Mm-hmm. So you actually ended up. You changed your mode, if you will. You went into church planting, and you probably have set in place a network of churches that are probably, I imagine, reproducing churches. Oh yeah, that group that we helped start. They, there was we, we joined hands with some national leaders. There was about three churches when we joined hands with them, and the leader of those three had a vision to plant churches, and we started working together planting churches. And like I said, we planted about thirty-six more in the next five or six years, and now today it's nearly a hundred churches with about thirty-five thousand people. Yeah, see, so, wow. So they become multi-generational and almost mm-hmm. like an evergreen. The seasons may change. The modes of activity may change, but there's this golden thread, if you will, right? Yes. In our life, in terms of calling that continues even into now what you're doing now, right? Right. In the That's organization. Correct. Yeah. So same thing in marriage. I mean, seasons may change, you know, yep. it's like we have three or four different marriages. This is great, but no, it's actually oh, yeah. with the same person, but we're growing, right. we're maturing, we're discovering things about each other that we never knew. Parenting, same thing, right? We, yep, we, parent, right. we parent as as our children grow. We parent in different ways, and our relationship dynamics change. But that golden thread as a mm-hmm. parent or as a spouse or as in a, in a calling or in, in a work, in a business, whatever. So what can we do? We can go back to God, re-engage Him, draw energy and strength from Him, do these things which, you know, these Sabbath principles, spiritual disciplines, 
engage him in fresh ways, right, that energize us and give us fuel to continue the race. Maybe new relationships. I just wanted to touch on that before we close. Should we look for, you know, they say that you tend to be the average of, what, five or six closest people to you. Yes. Uncanny how that works out in terms of, like, everything from health and wellness to finances and relational quality. Um, Do we need to maybe find new relationships too, gritty relationships, people that don't quit? That we can relate uh, to. Oh, absolutely. Dr. Henry Cloud wrote a book called The Power of the Other, highly recommended. Uh, and he, his, his basic thesis is that we are the product of the people we hang out with, uh, for good or for evil. Um, we, we grow if we're with people that pull us towards growth. We endure difficulty if we have people that stand with us and walk with us and encourage us to hang in there. Uh, we destroy our lives if we hang out with people who've destroyed theirs and are just making advocating, well, just follow me down the down into the pit, you know, yeah, of, sure. of, of addiction or whatever. That's right. So we are the product of people. Cloud makes this profound observation. He said, when you hang out with people um, that are going to pull you towards success or pull you towards growth, they have that that influence. That influence is so mysterious is so powerful that they impart into you something that you do not have on your own. You, you would not, you would not accomplish what you need to accomplish on your own. That strikes at the very heart of American individualism. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a huge insight. He uses, he, he uh, illustrates this principle that is basically the principle of the book, the power of the other. He uses a principle of two, uh, Navy seals in training, the one he's calling Bryce. And the last the last um, exercise during what's called Hell Week in the Navy SEALs is they have to jump out of a boat and swim to shore. I think fully loaded pack. I'm not sure what all they're wearing. His friend makes it to the shore ahead of him. And this other young man he calls Bryce is swimming in the water and he's foundering. He's not he's not making it. He's starting to drown almost because he he's so fatigued. He thinks he's going to have to tap out, raise his hand and ask for help. uh, And he's about ready to give up. And then he sees his friend on the beach and his friend on the beach raises his arm above his head and gives him this big fist pump. Like, you know, he's too far away to hear him, but he's like, you can do this. And that little encouraging gesture from his friend on the beach so empowered Bryce that he rose up out of the water and he started paddling towards the beach, and he made it. And the whole point that that Henry Cloud says in that story, it's a true story, he says, is that that relational impetus brings something out of us that we would not normally have on our own. I believe that's true. I have felt that. Mm -hmm. Yep. You're saying it's almost like an intangible dynamic that happens it almost is. I, you know, I don't know if some scientist or engineer will probably tear that apart and decide how that works, if either physiologically or psychologically. I, I, for myself, I just say God has designed human beings to need each other. That's true. He designed marriage from the very beginning. It's, it's a foundation of the created process, creative process. He made male and female, yep. and he designed us for community. He designed us for relationship. We're better together as couples. We're better together in community. And there's something, there's something divine about that. There that, is. There is something. There's a voltage on that which is undeniable. Mm-hmm. And Jesus sent them out in twos, right? 
Yes, correct. Dyads, mm-hmm. I mean, he sent them out always in twos. Mm-hmm. And we're experimenting here locally with something I'm calling kingdom clustering, you know, three, four smaller groupings of like niche affinity yeah. interests that are even trans ch- trans local church, like they may have representation from two or three different local communities of faith. But these are people that are pursuing, maybe you know, maybe they're pursuing. We want to influence the education space. We want right. to, we want to pray about that. We want to catalyze each other in that, and uh, you know, but different niches, if you will. And um, do you agree with that? That maybe we need several different layers of affiliation with the body of Christ. Everyone, oh, I think so. Everyone yeah. needs to be rooted and grounded in a in a local community of faith, a church. But then, can we build several layers on top of that, which are more specialized or niche? I think so. I think, you know, there's learning communities and where you're, you're with people that know more than you do, that have more experience than you have, and you align yourselves with them for the purpose of personal growth. Uh, then there's other communities that have interests. You know, I, I have a cycling group that I'm with. Most of them guys are Christians, uh, but not all. And we cycle together every week. And there's something powerful about cycling with other guys. You just, you can go farther, you have more fun, you know? <laughs> so there's all kinds of groups. Um, I think what you're talking about kingdom clustering, that, that inspires me. I'd love to chat with you more sometime about that. Oh, maybe we could. I would love that. We'll have to do that and we'll just record it and make another episode at some point if, if you don't mind. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a sort of a kingdom dynamic that, that, I feel an instinct about, I feel sort of a endorsement or permission from the Lord to pursue, and I'm, I'm actually part of a couple different expressions of that. One is a writer's group, one is oh. more of a, um, I don't know, entrepreneurial ideation group, and, okay. uh-huh. you know, we're dealing with, like, narratives and culture, and how can we get in the marketplace of ideas with content, you know, those types of discussions. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it, I really am. I so appreciate this conversation. Uh, I, you have a wealth of experience. I love the ideation level you bring. This book, Before You Quit, Everyday Endurance, Moral Courage, and the Quest for Purpose, Doug Gaiman. It's published by Moody Publishers. Wonderful. I hope it gets a wide, a wide readership. Thank you. Well, thank you, Doug. Yeah. I'm sure that those you're mentoring and leading are benefiting greatly from all of this um, experience and impartation you bring. Do you have some social social handles you want to direct people to, or a website, or anything of that yeah, nature? Yeah, my my Facebook page uh, is Doug Doug Gaiman, um, and I think my Twitter is the same. Uh, and also, you can find me uh, on DougGaiman.com. So D-O-U-G-G-E-H-M-A-N.com. You can also reach out to me at the Globe website, Globe International. So it's globeintl.org. I have a blog there and on my website. Um, if you want to read some of the things that I like to talk about, um, I'm, I'm actually pondering the possibility down the line of doing some kind of a podcast related to some of this material. Oh, so I may to. call you up and get some coaching. Oh, wow. <laughs> I hey, was you know listening what? to some of your podcasts last night just to get familiar with what you're doing. I, I love some of the content you, you oh, have. Well, thank you. Great. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're all on a learning quest. I've been doing it since June of 2018. But, yeah, constantly learning from others, growing, networking. So, yeah, I would love that. Yeah. So we'll have a show notes page for this episode at jesussmart.com and you can get links. We're going to have, you know, his, all of his socials and his website and before you quit the book and a couple other books you mentioned, I'm really intrigued by that book. Was it the power of the other by Henry cloud? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That I've got to get that. And then 
Um, the, the other book I'm familiar with, too, I have it in the house here. I haven't completely read it, but the book on uh, grit by the – she's an Asian-American, Angel- right? I think Angela, she's a, Asian-American, Angela Duckworth, yes. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. she's, a, she's, a, she's a kicker, man. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, thank you, Doug. I appreciate you. Blessings on everything moving forward. Okay. Thank you very much, Brian. Great to spend this time with you. God bless. Again, you can go to the show notes page for this episode at jesussmart.com. Keep sweating. I'm holding Doug Gaiman's book, Before You Quit, Everyday Endurance, Moral Courage, and the Quest for Purpose, Moody Publishers. Listen to the back cover copy. I see this all the time. Someone tired, hopeless, or lost, ready to give up on a mission God has called them to. Sometimes you should quit. But more often, I found, even though it's hard, if you hold on, there's a breakthrough just around the corner. Do you see that? We miss out on a new space, a new level in that in that thing with God. Here's a simple truth. Most of us quit too early. Committing to a God-given vision is difficult, but there are rich rewards on the other side of endurance. I'd love to tell you about them. Is this you? Are you ready to quit? Before you do, can we talk? Doug, what great copy on the back cover. I Again, go to jesusmart.com slash keep sweating. There's links there where you can purchase this book and other other resources as well. Well, I appreciate you, Doug. Thank you for bringing this message to the body of Christ. It's coming from a vet. It's coming from an experienced follower of Christ, a leader of leaders, and it carries a lot of value. I, I, I really appreciate it. To learn more about the podcast, go to jesussmart.com. It always helps when you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Helps to push it out to more people. There's also an e-letter, which goes out pretty much weekly. Next Level Basics, Next Level Elements in Christ Following, Ideas and Insights to Develop as an Apprentice of King Jesus, as an Apprentice of His Kingdom. Jesus is brilliant. We have so much hope. He has so many answers and solutions for us. He has so many plans and edges that He wants to pursue. His story is so beautiful. It's unfolding. And it's beyond our ability to imagine and comprehend. I just want to let you know that if you're hooked up with King Jesus, you're hooked up to something that is wonderful. The biggest thing that's happening, the future belongs to him. Plus, plus he knows how your everyday life works best right now. Catch you next time.